powerful name it is, the name of Jesus, there is no one, nothing that will equal the power of God, the power of Christ, the power of the resurrection, and that power is available to all of us. What a beautiful name is the name of Jesus that we worship this morning. You may have a seat. Thank you for being here. Um, for those of you who don't know who I am, most of you guys know me by now. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here at Downey First Christian Church, and it's such a joy to be here. It's such a privilege to be here. So it's so great to know that that no matter where we we meet, no matter where we are physically, that we don't go to church. Like we've learned that we don't go to church. We are the church or we is the church like Francis would say, right? So let's give a round of applause not to ourselves, to Jesus, because without him nothing is possible. Every breath that we have is a gift from him. Every cell in our body is a result of the the grace of God in our lives. And we are so privileged to be here, to be a part of this, to be able to have our hearts and our minds open, to be able to hear what it is that God has for us this morning. So if you're here this morning and you're, you're ready to hear from God, I want you to raise your hand just as a sign of, okay, most of you, most of you, right? Let's do this this morning. Also, if you're here for the first time, we're so glad that you've decided to spend this Sunday morning with us. Um, I don't know if anyone's here for the first time, but I'm just going to take a chance here. If you are, I'm going to ask you when I count to three to just raise your hand and put it right back down. And I promise you, all we're going to do is just give you a huge round of applause. So if you're here for the first time, one, two, three, please just raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right. All right. Praise God. Praise God. So our verse, our verse for, for this morning, our verse for this morning, um, I don't, I don't want to just start talking, but I just want to, I want to share that, that when I preach, when I, when I give a message, uh, I'm, doing, I'm doing this to the best of my ability to be able to express to you in words something that I feel very strongly that God has shown me in my heart. It's not always perfect, but I pray that this morning, these won't just be sounds that I'm making with my face. Does that make sense? That, that it'll truly be the word of God that will, that will transform you. And so two things need to happen. One is I need to be preaching the word. That's very important because if not, I'm not preaching the word, then this is, we're all wasting our time here. But number two is that your heart will be open, that you'll have a hungry heart to be able to hear from God because a hungry heart will result in a transformed life. And so that's my prayer. So it's, it's that I'll preach the word, number one. Number two, that your heart and your mind will be open to be receptive to what it is that God has to share today. So I'm going to go to Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four. Uh, verse one. This is one verse. It's one verse. So if you have your Bible, you can go and, and uh, look, look that up. But if not, I'm going to go ahead and read it here this morning. It says this, Ephesians 4.1. This is the Apostle Paul. As a prisoner of the Lord, then, as a prisoner of the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is the Apostle Paul. This is, this is Paul if you don't know who Paul was, he's the first missionary ever. He was a persecutor of Christian and he turned into a, a follower of Jesus Christ. He's writing this letter from prison, from his first Roman imprisonment. He's writing it to uh, believers in a, in, a, in a community called Ephesus. It was a city that, was, uh, that would worship different types of God, Roman gods, uh, Greek gods. And he had a very successful ministry there. From prison, he's writing to these people that he has a relationship with. And he is saying, I urge you, I urge you to live a life 
worthy of the calling you have received. So what he's saying to them is what I believe God is telling us this morning. This is very important. This is, this is the message of this morning. This is what it is. It's that we will live a life that will be worthy of the calling that we have received. And so I want to ask you to do something here real quick. Imagine a church. Picture in your mind a church. What does this church look like? Imagine, is it a big church, a small church, a, a building? You're looking at it from a distance and you're, you're looking at this church and you realize that people are starting to show up at this church. And then you walk up a little bit closer and you, you realize that the people that are showing up to this church are people that you know, family, friends. You walk up a little closer, you walk inside of the church and you realize that inside of the church there's a casket. You walk up to that casket and you realize that the person that's in the casket is you. You realize that you're at your own funeral. You sit down and the people that, you, that know you are starting to say things about you. What are they saying? What are they saying about you? You see, our life is a message. You may think that your life is just the activities that you do during the day, like you go and you talk and you do all these things, but your life is a compilation of all these things and the result of that is, is a message that your life is communicating to people. So my question to you this morning is what's that message? What is the message that your life is communicating? Lord God, we pray this morning that you will, again, allow for us to be able to be transformed by your word. I pray, Lord, that that we will understand that our life on earth is so short that we will make our life worth living and that you will show us how. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, so quick question. When the alarm sounds in the morning, what's your first reaction? Do you jump up and say, oh great, this is a brand new day. I'm so excited. I got all these things that I'm going to do. Or... Are you the person that wakes up and hits the snooze button? I'm like, oh man, just five more minutes, you know? Oh, 10 more minutes. How do, you, how do you react when that alarm sounds in the morning? Do you get up and are you excited? Well, I'm a weird person because that's my reaction most mornings. I wake up and I'm like, I think this is gonna be a great day. Like this is gonna be the best day ever. My wife hates me because she's, you know, she takes her time and I'm all excited in the morning because I have this thing in my brain that I sort of have to like medicate myself or I have to like give myself a pep talk in the morning because I have a lot of depression in my family. And so when I wake up, I'm like, I don't know, but I just feel like this is gonna be a great day. I have no evidence for that. My son Matthew always gives me a bad time because when I would take him to soccer practice, I'd be like, Matthew, you know what? I just have a good feeling about this game. He's like, Daddy, you always say the same thing. I was like, I, because I do. No matter what happens, I always feel like it's going to be great. I have no evidence that it's actually going to be great, but I'm just that person. And uh, I'm, that becomes annoying sometimes to some people, but it's just that's just the way it is. Some people think that the reason why I am the way that I am is because I love what I do. And I honestly love what I do. Like, I love the, the, the calling that God has put on my life. Like, like, being a pastor is my dream job. It really is. And, and, I, and I talk to my, my kids about this and I try to express to them, like, I want you guys to find something that you love to do, that you will wake up in the morning and that you'll be glad to be awake, that you'll put, you know, put the alarm and then you wake up and it's like, okay, I like what I'm doing. 
And so what I try to share with them is that there's three things, three things that are important for you to be able to, to live a life that you enjoy or to do a thing that you actually enjoy doing. Number one, this is not biblical, by the way. This is just like a life lesson. But number one is that you can make a living off of it. Number two is that you actually like what you're doing. And then number three, that you're actually good at it. And so if you find this three, these three things in balance, it doesn't mean that you have to make a lot of money, be rich. No, no, no. You have to make enough to live. You have to like what you do. It doesn't have to be like the best thing in the world, but you actually enjoy um, your job. Um, and that you're actually good at it. Not the best in the world, but that you're pretty good at what you do. So if you find these three things, I teach this to my kids, then you'll be able to find a thing in life that you actually enjoy doing. And so I try to talk to them about that as, as uh, they try to decide what it is that they're going to do um, with their lives. But even though these three things are important, and even though I believe that these three things are very important for you to find a life that is fulfilling, there's a, there's a fourth element. And I, th- I would say that this, this is an overarching element that is probably the most important thing. And it's that you know why you do what you do. That you know why you do it. This is so important. If you know why you do what you do, this will be a game changer for your life. Because you may make a living, you may enjoy what you do, you may be good at what you do, and it's like, okay, good. But if you know why you're doing what you're doing, that will give you enough fuel to be able to continue doing what you do. You see, sometimes we focus our lives on the what's in our life, the what. Sometimes we focus our lives on getting a better job, getting a better salary, getting a better schedule, but we will never be satisfied if we don't know why we do what we do. I've told this story before, it's the story of three guys. And these three guys are doing the same thing. They're laying bricks. But they have a completely different attitude. These three guys, they have a completely different attitude. They're doing the exact same thing, but these three guys have a completely different attitude. All three of them are laying bricks. The first guy is mad. The other guy is sad. The third guy is happy. Come up to the first guy, I'm like, what are you doing? He says, can't you see what I'm doing? I'm laying bricks. Second guy, who's kind of annoyed, I'm like, what are you doing? And he says, "Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm making a living. The third guy is actually happy. He's enjoying what he's doing. I ask him, what are you doing? He's like, I am building an orphanage. You see, the three guys are doing the same thing. Only one of the guys knows why he's doing what he's doing. So no matter what it is that they're doing, if you understand the reason why you are doing what you are doing, it will change your outlook. You see, as a church, as a church, we, we have a why. We have a what and we have a how. Our what is, we've talked about this before, love God, love people, serve the world, right? Love God, love people, serve the world. And we have a how. Love God, love people, serve the world. We do, love, love God is our, is our Sunday experience, our church service. Love people are our growth groups and serve the world are our serve teams. And that's great. So we have a church system, we have a church structure of how we function. But if we didn't have a why behind what we're doing, everything that we did or do would be meaningless. You see, there's a why behind why we do what we do as a church. Do you guys know what that is? You see, the why behind our church is that people need hope. People are hopeless. You see, if, 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 
If we were a business, our market would be hopelessness. And I'm telling you, it's a growing market. There are people that need hope wherever you go. There's a story of a, of a guy that came, came to our church as a result of watching our services outside. So he, he walked by and he looked at our church and he, it brought, it brought him back a memory of when he was little. When he was 13 years old, his mom used to bring him to church. And he lives, he lives right around here. He walked by and he saw us. And then he came to church. And God started speaking to him and started bringing him back. He's like, you need to come back to church. And he came back. I met with him in my office. We talked through. I explained to him what baptism was. He got baptized. I'm like, that's why we do what we do. This is why we do what we do as a church is because people need hope. And we see it everywhere. People are discouraged. People are disappointed. Heartbreak. Death. People feel empty. There's depression. There's anxiety. There's all these things. People desperately need hope. And this is why we exist as a church. And this is why Jesus came. Matthew 9.36 says this. When he saw the crowds, he had what? Compassion. He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is our city right now. This is the, the, the way Jesus was seeing the people that he was seeing is the way that he is calling for us to see the people that are in our city right now. Hopelessness, like sheep without a shepherd. And so this is why I, I feel such a sense of fulfillment in what I do. I have a huge sense of fulfillment in what I do because I can always go back to the why. You see, my job as a pastor is not an easy job. But I can always go back to the why because I understand that in every interaction that I have, my goal is to bring hope to that person that I'm interacting with. No matter what it is that I'm doing, that people will walk away with hope. If I'm preaching, I want you to walk away with hope. You know, if I'm counseling, I want that person to walk away with hope. If I'm leading a meeting, I want for the, those people to go away with hope. If I'm praying with someone, if I'm with my wife, if I'm with my kids, if I'm in an informal conversation with, with anyone, my hope is that you will walk away and you will be able to receive the hope that your heart needs. And that's why Jesus came. And that's what should move the things that we do. Even when I'm confronting a tough situation, like I have to clarify or have a, a, an awkward meeting with someone, the result of that in my deepest heart is that the result of that will be hope for those people, that person. That's why, that's why I'm here. That's what I do. You see, a psychologist can give you tools. He'll, he'll, he'll give you tools from, from, from yourself that you can help yourself, and that's a good thing. Um, a psychiatrist may give you pills, and those pills might help you to be able to cope better with life, and those are good things. You know, a, a, a doctor, uh, you know, could help you in your, fixing your body and make you feel better. But the thing that I love so much about, about what I do is that I can point people to the hope that will never fail. And this is such a beautiful thing. There's no other job in the world like it. We can allow people to, to find the actual rest for their souls, the actual thing that everyone is looking for. I can point them to that. Now, this may sound very self-serving. And the reason why I'm sharing it like this, like this is my thing, is because I don't want you to think that this is just my thing. This is for everyone. This is for you. It's for you. It's for everyone in here. This is not the job of a pastor. Our ministry is the exact same ministry. We all have the same ministry. Amen. 
You see, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself. So God reconciled us to himself. And Christ gave us the ministry of what? Of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed us the message of reconciliation. He has committed us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to Christ. Brothers and sisters, this is for everyone. And you may disqualify yourself by saying, I'm not in ministry. I'm a teacher. You know, I'm a plumber. I'm a lawyer. I'm an electrician. Sorry. This is for everyone. This is not a job for experts, by the way. This is for everyone. Now, my, my, my message today is not about you finding a different what, like finding a different job. Like maybe you do need to have a different job, but that's not the message today. My message for you this morning is that you will get a better why behind the thing that you are currently doing. Why do you do what you do? Because the what will never fulfill a weak why in whatever it is that you are doing. We spoke last week about Paul's obsession, he would always talk about the one thing, the one thing, one thing I do, and leaving everything behind, I pursue one thing. Well, when we look at the life of Paul, it's not that he really did one thing. He did a bunch of stuff. I mean, he preached, he traveled, he interacted, he laughed, he slept, he ate, he built tents, he did all kinds of different things. But the one thing was that he had a single why. It's the reason why he woke up in the morning. It's the reason why he brushed his teeth. It's the reason why he, he got dressed. He walked out the door. His single why was to bring hope to the hopeless. And that should be all of our whys, regardless of what it is that you and I do. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4 says, I have found the secret of being content no matter the circumstance. It's good, it's bad, it's regular, I'm sick, I feel good, I don't care. I have found the secret of being content. No matter what I am doing, I am centered because I know why I am here. I want this for you. I want this for me. I want this for everybody. We want this. This should be true for all of us. But here's a, here's a problem. A problem is that we have to see people the right way. That's a hard one. See, we have to see people the right way. We have to understand how God sees people. How does God see people? When he sees people, when Jesus was here and he saw people, he saw them like sheep without a shepherd and he saw them with compassion. So when he saw them, he knew that no matter who he interacted with, that person needed hope in Christ. But that's a problem because I have a hard time with this because I get my, my ego gets in the way and I want to make a point and I want to be right, you know? 2 Corinthians 5.16 says this, I love this. It's also the Apostle Paul. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This is 2 Corinthians 5.16. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. So we, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. So when we see people, we don't see them like regular people. 
So when you see when you see a waiter, a clerk, a mailman, what do you see? Or your friends, what do you see? Do you just see a mailman? Do you just see a clerk? Do you just see your lawyer? Do you just see, no? What do you see? Like I have, I like I see people with a worldly point of view all the time. Like I'll see someone and I'll just see what what they are. But we are called to see people in a different way, like sheep without a shepherd, and have compassion on them. Have you ever confused someone with someone else? Super awkward. <laughs> Happened to me a couple of times. It's awkward. My dad once, I remember he confused, it was a different pastor, and he's like, oh, that's what's so-and-so. I'm like, dad, that's not him. He's like, yes, it is. It's, like, it's not. And he walked over, started talking to him, and I'm like, he was trying to convince him that he was a guy that he wasn't. And I'm like, dad, you have to stop. It was so embarrassing. You see, I think that can be true also spiritually. You know, we'll see someone from a worldly point of view, and we're not seeing them for who they really are. Many times what we're seeing is the thing about them that bothers us. And that's one of the hardest things. This happened to me. Oh, I, was, I didn't know if I should share this or not, but I'm going to do it. I already started. <laughs> Last week, there was someone who was talking bad about me and my face and talking about, bad about this church. <sighs> There's some hills I won't, I won't die on, but this one I will. I did not care about this person. I did not want, I had no compassion for him. I did not seem like a sheep without a shepherd. <laughs> I just wanted to be right, and I wanted for him to know that I was right, and I wanted to make a point, and I, didn't, I couldn't care less about making a difference in his life. And I walk away, and I'm like, what just happened? My ego got in the way. I wanted to be right. I did not feel any compassion for this person. And I'm like, that's not the Jesus way. You see, this is a hard thing. This is a hard thing. But this is how we change the world. This is how we make a difference. You see, I made this mistake last week. People won't remember what you said. They'll remember how you make them feel, is what I heard someone say once. I don't know what this person felt. He did not feel loved, by the way. And I'm not, I'm not proud of it. So my perspective changed this week. I asked God to forgive me because I, I operated in the wrong spirit. So I'm asking God to change us as well. You see, we can't approach people from a worldly point of view. We can't. We can't. Everybody does that. We're not going to make a difference if we just do that. This is why he says um, this, this verse that we were talking about at the beginning, Ephesians 4.1, the Apostle Paul took in, talking to the Christians in Ephesus. He says, as, as a prisoner in the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He's urging us. He's, ur he's saying it's now. He's saying it's now. This, is, this requires immediate action. It's not for tomorrow. It's not for the next day, not for next week. It's now that we will look at ourselves today and say, what are the things that I need to change to be able to start seeing people from the perspective that God wants us to see him? And not, it's not theorizing. It's not learning all the concepts of how to do this. It's literally changing your life today to make your life worthy of the calling that you have received. You can start today. So, what is our calling? Well, it's bring hope, reconciliation, be ambassadors of this kingdom. See, this kingdom is not of this world. Our kingdom is not of this world. It's not. Like, we have, we have several kingdoms, even in America, but ours is not from this world. 
This is, not, this is the kingdom that we bring. So we're ambassadors from this kingdom. So we represent Christ, the kingdom of heaven. We represent it on earth. That's what we're called to do. And how do we do that? Well, by seeing people from the perspective that Jesus sees them. Sheep without a shepherd and with compassion. So I want, to, I want you to put this in your mind. I want you, this is an identity thing. I want you to put this in your mind. I am, a, I am a hope provider. I am a provider of hope. This is what I do. This is why I'm here. In every interaction that I have, put this in your mind. How can I bring hope into this situation? How can I bring life into this situation, when I interact, when I have a conversation, when I'm praying for someone, when I'm listening to someone, how can I bring hope into the situation? How can I be focused on not making a point, but making a difference in everything that I do? You see, no matter what you do, if you're a teacher, a student, employer, employee, our why is to bring hope. And no one will ever find hope unless they are reconciled to Christ. That's why the Apostle Paul says, I implore you to live a life worthy of the call you have received. The calling today is to make our lives worthy of this calling. You see, there's a prayer that I do every day. And it's a prayer for revival. For revival. And this will not happen if our hearts don't break for the things that break the heart of Jesus. You see, the revival starts in me. Like it's not, oh, we're going to pray for revival and we're going to do all these things and we're going to do music and bring people. No, no, no. The revival starts now and it starts with me and it starts in my heart. This is where it starts. Not in you, not in you. Not, it starts here. If I don't have a revival inside of myself, good luck. It starts in the intimacy of your relationship with Christ your heart burning for the things that burn the heart of Christ, and then you live out this thing that you are called to do. We cannot be collectively what we are not individually. So important. You see, it's not about changing your what, changing the job you have or changing the thing that you're doing or the activity. It's changing your why. It's about getting a better why. We are ambassadors of Christ. An ambassador is a representative of his country in a foreign land. And this is a foreign land, by the way, for us. We're here just like, don't unpack. Like, we haven't arrived yet. We're on our way, right? We're going to be here for a while, but our kingdom is not of this world. So we are here to bring hope to the hopeless. And I don't know about you, but that's me too. Like, I need hope too. Every single day. And the hope doesn't come from a better job. It doesn't come from better benefits. It doesn't come from a perfect what. This hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. That's it. That's it. That's why we're here. That's why we wake up. That's why we breathe. That's why we get dressed. We brush our teeth. We take a shower, and we go through the entire day. Why? Because we have a Christ. We have Jesus who died and rose from the dead. He has given us hope. We are hope providers. We have to see people for who they are, which means they are sheep without a shepherd, and we have to have compassion on them. But this will not happen unless it is true for us, because we can fake it. Easily. I grew up in the church. I can do the thing. I can, I can act like I care. You know? But in the deepest of deep, when your heart begins to burn 
for the things that burn the heart of Christ? That's the seed of a revival right there. And that's my prayer for all of us. I'm going to end with this. See, I'm here to tell you, I'm going to tell you that, that I'm here to tell you this morning that your life has meaning. I am here to tell you this morning that if you're not dead, God's not done. I'm here to tell you that, that we need to, to stop thinking about making the difference, about making our mark, about leaving our legacy. No. Here's the thought that I had. I think I heard someone else say it once. When your life is done and they're trying to figure out what it is that you did and the CSI people come and they're trying to figure out fingerprints and all that kind of stuff and who did what, that when the CSI people are looking at your life and they're looking at the fingerprints, that they will only find the fingerprints of Jesus. You see, when I'm dead and this is my funeral, here's my prayer, that the name of Jesus will be mentioned more than my own name. How much he loved Christ, how much of a follower of Jesus he was. This is, this is it. And this is for all of us. You see, this should be our goal. That in every interaction that we have, people will see Jesus. Every conversation that we have, people will see Jesus. In every decision that we make, that people will see Jesus. So I'm going to ask you now if we can have a moment here of prayer. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I'm going to say a few things and then, and then I'll pray. Just close your eyes, please. No one, no one looking around. This is a moment for you, for you to, to just think about what you heard. And I want to ask you to, to take a moment here and, and ask yourselves two questions. We do this almost every week. Two questions. Number one is, what have I learned this morning? What have, what have I learned? What is the thing that I learned this morning? And then number two, what is it that, that God is asking me to do? And once you've identified these two things, I want you to think about what your next step is. And I don't know what it is. It's different people here, different situations. But that you will take that step. So I'm going to pray. Lord God, we, we thank you so much for these moments that we share. And some of these things are so much easier said than done. I have a platform here and I can talk pretty and talk about all the right things to do. But you know, you know me. You know my heart. You know my ego. You know my struggles. You know my insecurities. And I'm so grateful, God, that that through all of that, I know that you've spoken this morning. I know that, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that people here who have heard this message, that it will open up a door to understand that there's such a better life to live. A life of compassion, a life of selflessness, of seeing others the way that you do. I pray for this, God, and I, I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone here who's having a hard time in the sense of not being able to see a specific person or people the way you see them, 
we have lack of maybe lack of compassion or that you will remind us of what you've what you did for us of your sacrifice on the cross and that that will be a motivator for us to do the things that you've asked us to do we love you so much and we thank you in Jesus name we pray amen amen